Hello and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Amber. I'm a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner. My website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. My work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union work, and transformational and manifestation calls. So today's podcast is looking at lists and most specifically love lists. So one of the if you, if you like, like the top three reasons why people often go to see a healer is because they want to resolve uh, an issue in their past. Um, they want more money, they want that career expansion, or they want to meet the love of their life. And I do a lot of work with clients on sacred union work and, you know, being in alignment to meet your your vibrational soul partner, your divine partner, your beloved, your soulmate, you know, whatever label you want to give it. And some of the rituals that we sometimes work with is getting clarity on what you want. You know, what are your top three requirements that you look for in another or your top 10 and so forth. And one of the really interesting things that has emerged around list making is is when we get to the point where the list no longer serves us, where the list sort of becomes an exercise in wordplay or in the mind. Because really the whole point of making a list of what it is that we want in a partner is that we start to resonate at that vibration. We start to kind of feel what it would be like to be with that person rather than we get attached to the words and to needing to tick off the elements on the list. It's not really a recipe. You know, it can be a recipe. I mean, we can be the kind of person that follows a recipe to the letter. And so we never really create anything that has our stamp on it. Or we can be the kind of person that has a recipe, but then plays with it so that we actually create something that has its own unique signature that is unique to us. Now, meeting a partner, a life partner, a beloved, a soulmate, having that sacred union is about more than just uh, ticking boxes on a list. You know, ultimately what we're looking for, surely, is growth, is two people who come together and support each other and assist each other in growing and do so in such a way that is elevating and is filled with love and with joy and with positivity rather than through pain. Now, sometimes when we create these lists, we have such high expectations of what we want from a partner that it's kind of an impossible list. And I often work with clients who are asking for what can be deemed the impossible. And it's not that it isn't out there. There are unions where you can meet that divine counterpart. The question is, there is one, it's one thing to meet them, but really it's another thing to make that relationship work in the physical world that can be so dense and so challenging where we are having a human experience. So on a soul level, if we tap into our higher selves and our soul selves, if you like, we can have these these requirements of what we want from a partner, that they're they're our spiritual equal and that they're emotionally available and that they are communicative and they're loving and they're kind and they're generous and that they understand and know sacred sexuality and that they respect the planet and the world and they want to make a difference to the world that they live in and all of these requirements that are beautiful and amazing requirements to be seeking in another. And then it requires us to remember that we are human beings having a human experience and that even though we may have these desires for these elevated qualities in a partner are we actually living up to those qualities ourselves are we actually such a great catch ourselves and 
have we made ourselves so unattainable to another that others feel as if th- that w- they have nothing in common with us or what can they possibly add to our lives or how can we possibly work together because we've become so self-sufficient in our desire for perfection. There is no such thing as perfection. Nature shows us that. Nature shows that it gr- it grows and it dies and it's messy and it overflows and it and and there is no such thing as perfection. Yet there is beauty in imperfection. And that's ultimately what we're looking for is to find to seek to appreciate, to acknowledge beauty in another, to acknowledge their imperfection and to find it beautiful. And we hope that another would find our imperfections beautiful. So what are we looking for in a union? And I think it's important that we have those lists of what we're looking for, whether we're looking for laughter or adventure, um, compatibility, sensuality, intellectual compatibility, challenges. Well, you know, what is it that you're looking for in your partner? But to be aware that the journey really is about how the two of you are going to grow together. Often I hear clients and they've kind of got really set ideas of who they will be and who their partner will be. And it feels like what they're saying is, I will be complete and they will be complete, as in complete, as in there's nothing I need to learn. There's nowhere I need to develop. I have all the skill set, all the knowledge, everything perfected in me. And so do they. And then together we come together. Now, there is a place for that in the stories of the beloveds of Jesus and Mary Magdalene of Isis and Osiris of these beautiful, beautiful stories that we have of the beloveds of the twin flames who are kind of in their final incarnations. You know, they are, they have reached that, that pinnacle of enlightenment, if you want to call it that of self knowing of gnosis of connection because they've reached that place of gnosis, they don't need to go through karmic relationships anymore. They're just vibing with those that are also in that place of gnosis. But we can still see in those stories that there was still further growth for these beloveds to go through. Even if we look at the mythology of the story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and there's very different versions of it. You know, if you if you look at the, the there's a beautiful book called The Gospel of the Beloved Companion, which is the lost gospel of Mary Magdalene, um, often often said to be the lost gospel of St. Thomas. But if, if you look, say you read that book or you go and, and, and read the, um, the Pistis Sophia or the Gnostic Bible and you read about the beloveds, if you just look at the story of the, the death of Yeshua or the journey that they go through in order to enable their ministry, there is a huge growth for both of them that they still need to go through. There's still emotions that they need to overcome and egoic ways of being that they strive to overcome. There's still obstacles in their path. They don't just, you know, wander off into the sunset and live happily ever after, feeding off the land and and, and lying in the sun. Like they still go through a journey, even though many would say that they'd reached a point of such gnosis that was there any further for them to go. And yet the journey of the soul in this on this planet on earth school on planet earth is to keep evolving and keep growing because the journey of the soul never ends the journey of the soul is to always expand to get ever more enlightened as in filled with light to get ever greater to get ever more connected so if we're looking for a complete partner that really doesn't have anything else to learn and we are striving to be that complete partner that really has nothing else to learn. What on earth are the two of you going to do together rather than just be perfect together? There, is, there will always be room for growth and there will always be space within any union for wounds to come up and play out and be triggered. And the journey is how you navigate those wounds together 
in such a way that your bond gets even stronger rather than weaker. And that requires a mindfulness on the side of both parties and it requires a sense of knowing and gnosis and it requires, I believe, a spiritual practice of some kind because that's what keeps us grounded and rooted in something greater than what our triggers may be or what our egoic responses may be. But we're not looking for perfection. And if we are looking for perfection, if we are looking for everything on that list to be completed, we're going to remain forever isolated and alone. And again, there is nothing wrong in that. But I think what's important is to know what is choice and what is just habit and what is just unconscious. If it is a choice to remain single until you meet that perfect, complete being that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, then your journey is to get comfortable with that choice. But if it isn't a choice, if it's just that maybe this list has grown old or maybe the list needs a little bit of updating, then it's unconscious in some way. And if it isn't a choice and if it's just triggers and wounds being played out, then maybe some healing needs to happen. But ultimately, relationships are about growth. We grow through our interactions with other people. Something they say triggers us, something that they do makes us feel wonderful. That's how we grow. That's how we are reflected. That's how we see who we are and and still where we need to develop and where we have developed wonderfully. And that's how we swap skills. And that's how we assist another and another assists us. And that is community. And that is beautiful. And that is what we're here to experience. We cannot really fully grow in isolation, although it is important to have those moments of introspection and isolation so that we can really bed down who we are and get really clear on who we are and what our boundaries are and what we stand for. But life is this forever back and forth of being out in the world and then retreating from the world and being in relationship and with others and with ourselves. And when we find that balance, we find a harmony to life. I strongly recommend the Sacred Union course if you're looking to meet your beloved and information is on the website sacredspacehealing.org. It's all clearly signposted. I would say as a starting point, if you are looking to meet the one, you know, your divine counterpart, your beloved, then do start with a list of what it is that you think the qualities are in another that would feel good to you, feel fulfilling to you. But don't get fixated on those qualities. You know, you may require in your list, for example, that your beloved is spiritual or that your beloved um, uh, has a really great diet or they really look after their body or they like to spend time out in nature or they're great communicators. And then you might find that you're actually attracted to someone that doesn't have those qualities. You know, maybe they have some of them, but they're not great at communicating. But you know what? Maybe you are great at communicating. And maybe this is a skill that you are here to teach them. And maybe they can teach you a different way of communicating that you had never thought of before or that you've never tried before. What you're looking for is balance. I read something once years ago in a really beautiful book, and I I can't remember the title of the book, but it was about balance in relationships. I mean, I I have a feeling it could be the gospel of the beloved companion, but don't quote me on that. And about how when when we're cooking a dish, we don't put in equal parts of salt and pepper. And I am paraphrasing here. We don't say, oh, I've put in, you know, three pinches of salt, so I'll do three pinches of pepper. We put in what is an amount of each that will create the most beautiful experience for us when we eat that food. So it could be that it's a pinch of salt and it's, you know, half a cup of pepper, (laughs) or it could be vice versa, because that's what is pleasing to our taste. So we're not looking for it to be perfect and perfectly balanced in, in our dynamic and relationships. We're just looking at what works. You know, does it work that your partner maybe communicates 
in a different way to you, but that the, together the two of you find a language that, that that works for you. Does it work that your partner is an introvert and you're an extrovert, or do you need them to be the same as you? These are very important questions to ask, and I think it's important that we know what it is that we're looking for. But I think that it's also important that we're open to a feeling. How does this person make me feel? How do I feel when I'm around them? And sometimes when we feel new things, like when we feel a feeling that's unfamiliar, we can sometimes reject it and say, oh, I don't want that, because we've gotten so used to feeling a certain way. But if the certain way was working for us, we wouldn't be in this situation right now that we're trying to change. And sometimes that certain way is based on wounding. It's based on unhealthy patterns of behavior that never really served us. And when we're wanting to break free of habits, we're wanting to move towards the unfamiliar. This doesn't mean taking risks or being dangerous or harmful to yourself. It just means being open to experiencing the unfamiliar while keeping your wits about you and being savvy and trusting your intuition. And it is a balancing act. Which is why I sometimes think that the best thing to do is when we're trying to break habits or we're trying to break free or we're trying to kind of, you know, manifest something in our lives is that we have a healer or a coach or a mentor or someone that's holding the space for us so we can go back and reflect back and say, I tried this and I wasn't too sure. And, you know, that these are the things that assist us. Wherever you are on your journey, I wish you much joy and love in your desire and your fulfillment and your wish fulfillment to meet that beloved, that one for you. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. If I can assist in any way in this journey, please feel free to get in touch. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.